This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's 7.06 a.m. on Wednesday, the 22nd of February. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Keith Kam and Chong Jen Sun. Now, in half an hour, we're going to discuss how to improve journalism standards in the country. But as always, we're going to kickstart the morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight. So for U.S. markets, they were all in the red. The Dow and S&P 500 were both down by 2%. Nasdaq was down by 2.5%. In Asia markets, it was mixed. The Nikkei was down by 0.2%. Hang Seng down by 1.7%. The Shanghai Composite was up by 0.5%. Straits Times Index down very marginally by 0.06%. And the FBM CI also act out again, uh, up by 0.04%. So we can see U.S. markets had a really steep drop um, overnight. I think uh, analysts are saying this is the steepest drop in two months. Um, for some thoughts on what's what exactly is moving markets, we have on the line with us Jack Cousy, Director for Strategy at VFS Group in Sydney. Jack, good morning. Let's start with the U.S. stocks recorded their worst day in two months, as we just mentioned. What's happening here? Are investors finally on the same wavelength, same wavelength as, it, as the Fed in terms of rate hike expectations? Yeah, thank you for having me, and uh, good morning to everyone out there. Well, certainly last night said they were. Um, look, I think it's a combination of factors. We might have got ahead of ourselves a little bit uh, in terms of the rally that we saw uh, towards the start of the year. I think we're starting to – look, there's a lot of talk about soft landing, hard landing. Now there's the notion of no landing at all, and the market's trying to make sense of it all as we go along. I think we need to understand um, that maybe the pivot or the port, the the pivot that we were looking for from the Fed, uh, or possibly lowering interest rates at the end of the year, is no longer um, a possibility. I think that type of pivot or lower is simply a pause. Um, now we had uh, some key figures that came out of the U.S. last week, and they were hot. You know, the numbers were quite hot in terms of the PPI. Um, and inflation figures, and the market's starting to take that into into account. We've got a big week in front of us in terms of the PCE, uh, which will give us a bit of an idea. So, look, two weeks ago I came on and I said, look, I was a little bit bearish and a bit on the sidelines, and I think maybe staying out for a little bit longer will be of benefit to investors. And saying that, I don't think it's as bad as everybody thinks it is. We've got to remember that monetary policy is a lagging policy. You know, it takes time. And that we've only been hiking rates for 11 months. Sure, it's been unprecedented, but we've come from an unprecedented norm of zero interest rates. What we're seeing in terms of inflation, it's all about inflation, is that in some areas, we are starting to get price decreases, particularly in energy. Um, And as supply chains start to unwind that lag and that efficiency we had because of COVID, we'll start to see that come to a front. But in saying that, and I've said that for a long time, I think the Fed will raise well into July, um, but I caution them, if they're listening, and they're probably not to me, uh, maybe a 0.25 is the way to go. But if that inflation number or that PCE number comes in hot this week, we may see another half, and that would probably lead to a market sell-down. So there's a lot to unwind and uncover for investors out there. Um, And I think we're going to continue to have that 
and have this volatility in markets. And we certainly saw that last night. And uh, Jack, uh, along with the expectations that the Fed may raise uh, uh, interest rates again, we're also seeing, seeing the, the, the dollar regaining its strength. Uh, where do we go from here? Is it going to hit new highs again? Yeah, well, I think it all depends on market sentiment. I mean, what we need to understand as investors and to your listeners out there is that the dollar is seen as a safe haven. And the reason why it's seen as a safe haven it's because it's backed by U.S. Treasuries and U.S. securities and therefore is a risk-free asset. So when markets, you know, I mean, look at the VIX, right? We're at the VIX was at 17. Uh, you know, I think we're just above 23, 24, which shows you the fear index is, you know, is rising and therefore people and funds and money fly to safety. So if we feel that interest rates are, if the market feels the interest rates are going to go higher for longer, then absolutely. And the other thing that that component does is there's an interest rate differential in the market. So if you're in Malaysia and your return on a deposit is 3%, whereas the return on a deposit in the US is 4%, naturally money flows towards that because it gets a higher rate. Um, so the combination of that and the fact that the US is seen as a safe haven, if we continue to see this bearish sentiment, which really we've only seen for the last three or four days. So let's you know, let's hold our horses here. Naturally, we're going to see a flow into US dollar. And Jack, we're seeing mixed signals from the retail consumer earnings. Overnight Home Depot missed, while Walmart yep. surprised on the upside. What does this say about US consumer sentiment and how that how might that play out in the coming quarters? Yeah, I mean, again, it's a mixed bag, isn't it? Because we saw some retail sales figures come out of the US, I think it was last week or the week before, and they were generally quite strong, which showed the consumer was quite strong. And then you get a tale of two halves um, last night or this morning, depending where you are in the world, of um, you know a, 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 a beat on Walmart and a miss on Home Depot. Um, and that's the quagmire that investors have to unravel. What I will say is the fact that employment is still so strong, particularly in the US, but throughout the world, and we saw that through the employment figures that we saw uh, a couple of weeks ago, shows you that the consumer might still be strong. Um, now, the market is, some people perceive that as a bad thing because therefore, you know, we're not going to get inflation under control and then therefore interest rates are going to go higher. But I don't actually see that. I think we can we can have a scenario where GDP is strong and the consumer is strong, yet inflation comes down. Um, and there are a number of variables that will lead to that. But I think still that is a scenario. So retail is still quite sticky. The consumer is still quite sticky, and I think we need that. Um, you know, I don't want the hard landing scenario. I kind of want the the soft to no landing scenario. And I think we can do that. And I think that the Fed can, can cut that thread mm. or th uh, thread that needle, I should say. Do you see this scenario happening sometime this year? Look, I think we're not going to see, definitely not going to see an interest rate drop this year. So I would count that out. Um, again, we're looking at lagging indicators at the moment as anticipation of what the Fed is going to do. Uh, I think we're going to start to see inflation come down, you know, in, in nice little spades over the next six-month period, which will lead to a pause, which means we can start to really reprice assets according to where interest rates and inf uh, are, because that's what we're doing at the moment, and we're repricing them in real time on the anticipation of rate hikes. So, look, 
I did say I was bearish, you know, two weeks ago, but I'm not, you know, a perma bear or an ultimate bear. Mm. I think there will be dips in the market where you can buy, and I would be buying those dips definitely. Okay. I don't think it's as bad as everybody's making it out to be, to be honest with you. Okay. But uh, as you said, you would stay out of, um, I guess, U.S. stocks for the time being or be a lot more selective yeah. in where you put your money. Where then are you yeah. going to allocate the bulk of your portfolio? Look, I'm, you know, when I say I'm staying out, I'm 85% invested. You know, it's not like I'm sitting on 50% of cash in the uh, in the market. Uh, what I'm looking to do is buy some of these dips. And I, I know I sound like a broken record, right? But, you know, big tech for me is where I would put my money in. And they've been quite resilient over the last couple of months. Uh, Microsoft is a name that I continue to look at. You know my views on where China is going. It's a big part of my portfolio. It will continue to be, and I'll be looking to buy, you know, continue to buy those markets. To be honest with you, in this environment, I don't want to be very stock selective. I want to be in areas that I know that are all weather, that can sustain, that have heavy cash levels, and they're the areas that I will continue to be looking at. And Jack, to build on what you said about China, Goldman is also very bullish in China. They're expecting a return of about 20% on Chinese stocks over the next 12 months. Is this in line with what what you're expecting or do you think this is a realistic number? Well, I would say that Goldman, in all their wisdom, is very late to the party. Um, But yes, I expect China to outperform. Uh, I think it's had a, a great run in the last six months. I expect that to do that with the reopening. And I will say to everybody out there, and I continue to say, the most important economy in the world is China. It is no longer the United States. They are the engine room for global growth. They are the biggest middle class in the world. They are going to be the biggest consumers in the world um, if they aren't already. Um, When you talk about purchasing power parity, that is the center of the economic universe. And any investor should be looking at Chinese assets as a core to their portfolio, not only for this year, not only for next year, but for the next 10 to 15 years, because they will be the number one economic country on the globe. And as such, in my opinion, their companies will lead and therefore we should be invested in those companies. A couple of things there, uh, uh, Jack. First of all, this is despite uh, geopolitical concerns, um, you know, where 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 China's position is? What geopolitical concerns uh, would you... uh, And I'm not trying to be rude, but give me a geopolitical concern that would probably... Uh, abate me from buying into China. I mean, the fact that um, there, there are there are uh, some there is some friction between China and and the US, and uh, eventually people are, might have to end up taking sides, right? I get that. I get that, and that is a valid concern. But we've had geopolitical tensions. Um, sorry, Chinese have had geopolitical tensions with China for a number of years. I mean, what we need to understand is that China is in the center of the Asian um, uh, sphere. And if you want to talk about leading regions in the world, Asia is the center of the world, right? That is where the mass consumption is happening. That is where the wealth is being grown, right? That is where the majority of people are living. Um, and that's where you want to be invested. Now, in terms of does China need the rest of the world? Yeah, it absolutely does. It's a global economy. Is it dependent on the rest of the world? I don't believe so. I mean, China is starting to develop its own trade lines. You know, we talk about this curtain that is happening. Yes, it certainly has. 
But China doesn't need the investment of the US in order to grow anymore. You know, it's got a sphere of influence around Asia that it's built over time that I think will protect it against it. You know, are there issues? Definitely. Do they have, you know, a problem with their semiconductor industry? Yes, I agree. Um, but I don't believe it's dependent upon, you know, being friends. And you talk about geopolitical tensions. We've seen a lot of softening between the US and China over the last year. I mean, Biden and um, Xi met in the Bali G20 conference. Uh, a notable um, move by the Chinese was when they elected their new Politburo, the former US ambassador the former Chinese ambassador to the US was elected to that seven party committee showing that you know there are signs of that thawing this was will all they continue to be tension yes this was all before the balloon saga though jack but we do take your point uh, you are betting hard on china um, china's economy improving thank you as always uh, for speaking with us that was jack kuzi director for strategy at vfs group giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead uh, some of the signals coming out from the u.s economy as well as prospects for china 7 19 a.m we're going to take a quick break but we will come back looking at more top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning stay tuned bfm 89.9 you have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.